Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and this episode, we're talking about our packaging future. And as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, who is the managing editor of PKN Packaging News and also its publisher, as well as being the host of this uh, show. Lindy, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Grant, and very keen to get going on what is an extremely important discussion. Another huge year of change we've had for packaging sustainability, and it's coming to a close now. So today we'll be looking back at 2020 and the key achievements delivered by the Australian Packaging Covenant Organization and its community. Today we have the CEO, Brooke Donnelly, with us. Brooke, welcome. Thank you, Lindy. It's wonderful to be here. Well, we better get going because we've got a lot of ground to cover and there have been some amazing initiatives and projects that have come through APCO this year. One of the highlights has been the launch of your Our Packaging Future Report, which was published in March 2020. And it's a roadmap that details how Australia's entire packaging value chain can work together to successfully deliver the 2025 targets. Now, it's about eight months on since the launch, How is Australia turning this comprehensive strategy into action? Well, it's a very exciting time to have our packaging future out there into the world. It's a two-year piece of work that um, had over 200 contributors, so um, a very comprehensive and um, deep piece of work that sets a framework for Australia and how we're going to achieve the 2025 targets going forward. What's been really exciting to see um, since we put it out there has been the uptake across the overall supply chain in um people working towards um, achieving the outcomes, the three outcomes that are set in our packaging future. And um, part of that work is about how do you deliver on a collective impact piece of work which requires lots and lots of different people to do different things. And um, it's been really um, great to see an uptake in what's referred to as mutually reinforcing activities. So those are the things that everybody's working towards in the system. So it's not that everyone has to do everything. It's just that everyone has to do something. And in doing something, it's about understanding what your role can be in that, whether you be an organisation or a brand or a manufacturer or a community group, an academic, a consumer, government. We've all got a role to play. Um, and what's been really exciting has been seeing the projects that APCO has been working with in the advisory groups and seeing those mutually reinforcing activities, which means different stakeholders doing different things, but all amplifying towards achieving the key outcomes that are set out in our packaging future. Are there one or two priority projects you can highlight here? Oh, yeah, definitely. So some of the key things as we transition to a circular economy for um, for packaging here in Australia are uh, include some really key topics like recycled content. So um, we've been working very closely across our advisory groups on some activities that will promote recycled content, um, you know, both in traceability, specifications and standards. But we've also been working on a pledge program um, with APCO members looking to make commitments to move away from the use of non-sustainable packaging formats and materials, um, which is an exciting part of the work that actually sets the 
demand, if you like, in the marketplace for materials going forward, um, and then working on recycled content to understand, well, what are the specifications? What should be going into the reprocessing system? And, and what is the quality of type of materials that are coming out of that system? Um, and that's a really very complex piece and technical piece of work that needs to happen with a whole range of stakeholders. And um, it's been exciting to see that really taking off as well. But then we've also seen um, a great uptake and interest in the area of reuse, um, which is fascinating. You know, we've got the Loop program coming out next year, which Woolworths have brought out here with um, the TerraCycle organisation, which is a fantastic initiative in reuse and is one of many that we're seeing happening now. And we're actually really seeing people start to think about what is that quite exciting area of how do you interact with packaging? So it's not just going from, well, I'm using material A, I'm going to use material B. It's how does that packaging format actually operate and how do you engage with it and so how could you actually do that within the context of a reuse system so it's this higher level type of engagement with design and redesign that actually drives a reduction of material usage and um, so another element to sustainability and packaging sustainability that's um, I think is one of the really cool areas going forward and um, a really exciting area to be working in. Yeah, well, there's just there's just so much energy out there now around these conversations, ideas, innovation. It's super exciting. So this has been a huge milestone, the Our Packaging Future Report. What else has been going on in the background? So the other things that have been going on in the background, which is really important, is all of the Our Packaging Future work is about supporting the progress towards achieving the 2025 national packaging target. Depending on where you're sitting, it can be either a long time or a short time from here to 2025. But what we do need to do is actually understand how we're progressing towards that. Um, so just recently at the AIP conference, we actually launched um, the 2025 monitoring program. And so this is a really key piece of work. So you've got our packaging future, which sets a framework for what we all need to do and outcomes and strategies and how to achieve that. And then the monitoring framework actually then says, okay, if we're going to achieve the 2025 targets, what are the critical, really important things that we need to do to make sure that we get to those targets? And so the collective action group within APCO have worked and are named across the advisory groups as well and with other stakeholders to devise seven key areas that we have to make happen to make the 2025 targets happen. And then we worked on a series of milestones that need to be achieved between now and 2025 and then also what are some of the, what are the KPIs or the metrics that we can measure to ascertain whether we have progress towards those um, and so that whole monitoring program came together and was launched at the recent conference with AIP and it's a really important piece of work to give the market to give the system to give government and to give industry and consumers confidence that we are making progress towards achieving the targets and what we will do is every year um, in March or April we'll be releasing an annual um, report that uh, progress report that reports back against that monitoring program and allows Australian communities and Australian um, consumers and stakeholders to really understand how we're progressing against those targets. And what else is really key about that is it then also allows us to identify if things aren't progressing well, how do we actually make a change if we need to make one or intervene if something's not tracking how we'd like to see it tracking. I think that the, the level of transparency that this will deliver is going to give a whole lot more confidence to all the stakeholders. So that is really crucial. Now, there are some other major milestones coming up. 
Um, would you like to share some of those? Yeah, so there's a couple of other things. You know, there's been a lot of work done recently in the single-use um, and problematic plastic packaging space especially. You know, we've seen some um, changes in the regulatory landscape landscape across Australia. So we've seen the work in SA and um, Queensland, ACT have got some, you know, some thinking and discussions out there right now. Um, but we've also seen industry really step up and start to make changes in this space. What I find terribly, terribly exciting is the work that has um, happened towards achieving the four key kind of material areas that we identified um, in the, the plan at the end of last year, which was, um, you know, around oxo-degradables in expanded polystyrene, really in the food and beverage service containers, um, EPS packaging bill, oxo-degradable plastics and, and lightweight bags. And we have seen progress in all of those areas. Um, we're just currently finalising our material flow analysis for the year. And part of the data that we're um, just working through now is showing a very significant reduction, in example, in EPS consumption, um, somewhere around 25%. And that's from last year. So you can see when industry makes a conscious and planned and strategic decision to, um, you know, interact and implement a piece of work, it actually does um, have an effect and a very real impact. So we're really pleased to see that things are trending the way they should be in the single-use plastic space especially. And that data that I just mentioned there is a really important part of the benchmarking data that we have that we need to really help us um, progress and with the monitoring program, etc. So that will be out in December and that'll be exciting to see how we're progressing over the last year. Yeah, I really look forward to seeing those results. For, um, there has been some progress, obviously, but how realistic is it for businesses to phase all of those products out that you mentioned? Well, I think the important thing is to realise that because we're doing this with an industry-led initiative, industry can control the and manage and have a real input into how this work happens. So instead of finding yourself in a situation where you may have a government mandate which says something's got to be done in six months' time, you know, doing the work in this way enables industry to phase this work out in a in a process that works us out to 2025. So over the coming years, you know, instead of having to do everything in a very, you know, kind of frantic kind of effort in a short period of time, um, it's about working through and making sure that we are actually making really sound and strategic decisions. We also want to make sure that we're not actually going for alternatives or making choices that may actually have perverse outcomes. So it's really important that, um, that this industry-led initiative uh, actually allows us the time to work through what are the options? What are the best plans? How do we do this? How do we effectively do it from a market perspective? And, and how do we get everybody on board um, and really drive it as a, a complete industry um, and not just a stakeholder initiative? Now, EPS is a very problematic material. Do you have a case study of a, of a company uh, or business that has phased it out successfully? Yeah, there's been some really great work done by Officeworks. So Officeworks is a great example. You know, they've always been a great example of being very sustainable and um, they recently just had a um, new five-year sustainability strategy out 
I think it was in October. Um, so if you haven't seen it, check that out. But in terms of their, um, their work around EPS, they and polystyrene as well, um, they've actually phased out successfully already phased out all of their polystyrene packaging from their home branded furniture and shredders. And they're now sharing that. The great thing about Officeworks is how they work with others. And they're now sharing that success with the wider supply chain and really setting expectations for their own suppliers. So, you know, the key message coming out of office works is if we can do it, you can do it. And so, you know, we, sh- we should all be doing this. And I think that's great. It's that real industry leadership. And it's a really strong example for the, the supply chain. Um, you know, they've got their shredder suppliers have now eliminated polystyrene from their ranges as well. Um, and the Officeworks team is also participating in sustainable design packaging sessions with suppliers to provide advice and support. You know, their buyers are bringing a range of competitor businesses together to really address these packaging issues and make sure that everybody's on page. And I think it's a great mantra you know we can do it you can do it there's no reason that we can't all do it together yeah when we get that kind of leadership from big brand owners from the retail sector it's really what we need that really does give momentum to our cause so you mentioned earlier the benchmarking data that's due to be released in december how is australia performing against the targets and can you give us a preview of any of the data to indicate how progress is going Oh, only because it's you, Lindy. (laughs) Yeah, look, I think it's really wonderful to see that we are seeing all of the kind of trends that you want to see when you are um, looking to see progress to a um, for that transition to a circular economy. You know, and when you are looking for those, what the kind of trends that you're looking for is a reduction in difficult to handle materials um, and and materials that are functionally and recyclably um, challenging. Um, And do you want to see an upgrade? an uptake or an increase in those materials that really are highly recyclable and have a high value, et cetera. Um, So what we're actually seeing is an increase in um, PET materials, which is great. So we're seeing um, more PET coming into the system. We're seeing um, a reduction in materials of approximately 25% for materials like EPS and PVC, which are traditionally difficult to manage materials. And then What's really promising is that we are seeing a um, a reduction of 6% overall in consumption um, in the plastic space especially, and that's an incredibly um, powerful indicator of the progress towards the targets and, you know, and also that, that transition to a circular economy. So it's really exciting, and um, I'm a bit of a data nerd, so I always love these reports that come out at the end of the year, but they can be quite weighty, but don't worry, we'll, we'll do one with the highlights and benchmark the, the major numbers um, in December for everyone. Well, I do think that the level of interest is that high that people would go for the detail. So I wouldn't be afraid of including too much detail on that. Now, one of the exciting developments pre-COVID, I recall, long ago in yesteryear, we attended the launch of the ANSBAC Plastics Pact. Um, That was, you know, we could still have events at that time. It really was an exciting and important program um, that was launched that day. So can you tell us a bit more about that and why businesses need to get involved with this new program? Oh, absolutely. Um, so you're right. It, it, you know, it's an incredible piece of work and it's actually a piece of work I've been working on for, oh, coming up to three years now, um, with our colleagues at both, um, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and RAP in the UK. And, uh, you know, we first started talking about how do we deal with plastic? you know, in a very real way, in a collaborative way. And we started talking, obviously, we talked to um, all types of colleagues across the world and who do different things and who do similar work to us, but they're at different, 
you know, stages in their work. And um, we started talking to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation quite early on um, and they had started with their global um, declaration for plastics and, you know, commitments to that. And then they moved to developing the Plastics Pact Network. Um, and we had some very live conversations about how could we best do that here in Australia? What we realise and what anyone who works in the plastic space very quickly realises, especially if you're dealing in the packaging context, is it is a global problem and it washes up on everyone's shore. We are an island country that shares wonderful waters with other island countries like the Pacific Islands and New Zealand and our problem is not limited to our own shore. And um, so when we started to think about how could we deliver on something like this is when we really started to think how can we work better with our neighbours? How can we leverage and amplify some of the work that we're doing here in Australia and some of the work that's being done in New Zealand and in the Pacific Islands so that we can have a collective effort that actually accelerates the work towards managing plastics effectively going forward? Now, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation have created this amazing network of um, organisations that are working together to do that. And so we are, um, we, as you mentioned, we had the event in March and we launched the development phase. Um, and so the last couple of months while we've been going through COVID, we've been working with um, some key stakeholders about what that program will be going forward, what the governance is, what all the kind of backroom stuff is that needs to happen to deliver a program of this complexity and how do we work with New Zealand and the Pacific Islands to actually leverage and amplify that work for all of us. And um, it's been so encouraging um, to see the uptake and the engagement and the interest from um, various stakeholders to actually really find the solutions in this space. There's a lot of good work being done in this space by a lot of different organisations. There is a danger that the acceleration or the delivery of the work is actually diminished by the fact that it's a bit fragmented. Um, so the Plastic Pact and the ANSPAC Plastics Pact is really about making sure that we are coordinating that effort, that it's coalesced into um, a single objective and that we're all kind of amplifying and working together and maximising our resources. So it's a very exciting time and the actual program will officially launch on the 1st of January. You know, member recruitment is happening now and members are joining up as we speak and, you know, there's more information coming out towards the end of this month about how to be part of that program. It's a very exciting time to actually get behind making a difference in the plastic space. And, you know, for us, it's a real call to action. It's a big piece of work for us to do. We have a very, packaging is a very significant contributor to marine waste and other environmental issues. And we really need to find the solutions to make this work well going forward. Yeah, and you, we need to do it in a collaborative way, and um, that's that's certainly clear. Now, product stewardship is in the news again, with a number of government announcements involving APCO in the recent weeks. So I'd love it if you could give us an update and some insights into some that perhaps haven't broken. <laughs> I absolutely can. And look, it's a, it's a wonderful area for us because, you know, um, APCO is Australia's largest and um, most significant product stewardship organisation. It's what we are. It's what we do, um, you know, and we've been really excited to see the uptake and um, the engagement in product stewardship through the, the review that's happened over the last few years and also the recent um, announcement around the Centre of Excellence for product stewardship and, you know, that's going to be a wonderful initiative going forward and we're very excited to work with 
you know, some of the people that we work with in current um, projects and activities, including ISF and the Institute of Sustainable Futures and the AI group and, um, you know, various individuals from some of the other organisations. But there's also been this fantastic opportunity to get a little bit of support from government, financial support to be able to progress some of the important work that not only we are doing, but others as well. And I know the recent... Uh, product stewardship investment fund applications, there was an incredible amount of applicants and, you know, the department had a very big job in sorting through um, who they could support and what they could do. But we're really pleased to see that um, two of our applications have been successful. And um, the first one is what we refer to as our Green Life Project, which is a piece of work that we've been doing for a couple of years now working with the um, the horticultural industry. And so the program is actually designed to establish a national recovery and recycling program for polypropylene plant packaging, including plant pots, trays, tags and stakes. And we do that through a partnership with the industry Peak Body Green Life Australia, or well, Green Life Industry Australia, I should say, and supported from allied organisations, including Horticultural Innovation and Landscape Association. And so we work closely with the horticulture sector across Australia in designing and implementing an industry-endorsed network of collection points for plant packaging. Um, this will enable Australians to return their plant packaging um, for recycling into new plant packaging and close the loop on horticultural um, polypropylene and you know I really why I've got a chance it's a really big huge thank you to um, our you know partners like Green Life um, Industry Australia who've really got behind this initiative and really driven it forward and it's a great indicator of how industry associations environmental groups and the industry itself can work together effectively to find solutions so that's how my mother is very excited about the one she's an avid gardener and she loves the idea of being able to recycle pot plants so <laughs> we're, we're all excited about that even my mum but um, the other one that we're looking at is a um, one of the issues that has been long-term issue in the packaging space um, and you know it's a program that giving away my age I worked on 15 years ago and um, that's the oil bottle program I'll say 12 that's a bit more kinder to me isn't it um, <laughs> but um, the oil bottle here no fake news <laughs> <laughs> but the oil bottle program is such a great initiative because it's really I mean oil is such a, it's a hazardous material and you know when it gets into our environment it's just the problems it causes is a multitude of issues and we have the technology we have the capability we have the collection systems to be able to deal with the material um, what we haven't done well is set up a program that is you know really geared towards making sure that everybody is playing fairly and is doing their job in that and um, that's what you know ATCO does really well we actually do well in terms of getting people to work well together and so what we will be doing is designing a product stewardship program which will be a new national collection and recycling scheme for plastic oil containers you know these will be for oil containers that aren't going to be recycled at curbside and that's really due to the uh, residual oil and, you know, the environmental and safety issues associated with them. And we'll engage all of industry and the stakeholder partners to design and implement an effective whole of supply chain product um, stewardship model. And, you know, 
the industry funding that we will receive from that will really help us to be able to overcome the free rider programs, free rider issues that really impacted the program previously. Um, and it'll because we're a national organisation, we'll be able to provide that with national coverage. And these are a couple of the key issues that we had with the program historically, um, which we're looking to overcome moving forward. Well, I must say, we've, you've had tremendous rep- support from Minister Trevor Evans. That has been unbelievable. Uh, you know, for the it has really made a difference in terms of the delivery of what you've been able to do, and in terms of the messaging that is going out there. And one of the things that we haven't touched on yet that I do want to applaud is the consumer campaign that you recently launched. And I'm interested to know the check it before you chuck it campaign. I'm interested to know what response you've had so far because that launched just a couple of weeks ago. I did. And look, if you haven't seen it already, um, go jump on a you know, you know, train station and, and wait for sooner or later a train will come whizzing past that will have the ARL right down the side of it. And, you know, it's such a fantastic program and we've had such incredible uptake. You know, um, just float around social media and you'll see not only APCO talking about it or Planet Arc, but you'll see all kinds of organisations, Ramonda, Sewers, you know, um, various Nestle, various brands and Woolworths and Coles and various organisations all talking about the ARL because right now we're at a very important part where, you know, we're getting up to 500 members in the ARL program and it's just going from strength to strength. And it's because it does what it does well. It helps packaging um, organisations understand how to design and it helps consumers understand where to put their packaging formats when they're at the bin. And, you know, it's a great program. It's a becoming a massive program in APCO, but um, a really important piece of work. And I think the funding that we've received to um, push out this national education program over the, you know, this two-year period will make that shift. And our intention is to be, you know, a line where, you know, it's kind of like a slip, slop, slap or a everyone recognises it as norm or, you know, life be in it type of um, consumer education. That's where we're trying to get here. We want everybody to be making the best choices at the bin and putting, you know, avoiding contamination and giving our recyclers and our reprocessing and our remanufacturing industry the best possible chance to have good, clean material that we can get high quality recycled content from. Um, and to do that, we have to make the right choices along the entire system and the ARL helps you start doing that. And everybody can do it. That's a great thing. You can do it. I can do it. Everyone can be part. Well, speaking of consumer education, you've just recently, APCO has, had its awards, the 2020 awards, and there was a new dimension to the awards this year, our future packaging featured. And I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about that and also the education awards that were given. Yeah, it's actually a really great initiative. So um, to celebrate the the launch of our packaging future and to really highlight that work going forward, we actually introduced a new series of awards based around um, our packaging future. And there was um, of particular interest is one around sustainability education for both consumers and industry. And it was such a great um, event to see um, so many fantastic finalists. We had some really great finalists in that particular award. And if we looked at consumer education, you know, we had organisations like Biopack and, you know, um, with their world's first zero waste flight and then Qantas with their biopack and Haynes and um, work and then we had the packaging sustainability education there as well. So there was just a, a lot going on in this consumer education space this year and so it was really 
really difficult to actually identify who was going to to be the winner amongst such a great crowd. But it was actually um, Unilever ANZ, you know, who came out with this wonderful campaign around empowering Aussies. And I think that's such a powerful statement, you know, empowering Aussies to buy better with post-consumer recycled plastic. And, you know, in 2019, they really, they introduced their recycled HDPE plastic um, into bottles. And, um, they had what was great was this was a kind of government industry initiative because there was some state government funding there and it really helped to celebrate industry and media alike and it's this kind of really outstanding step towards packaging circularity um, and it's really been enhanced by an organization like Unilever ANZ and their buy better recycled plastic communications campaign and it's really raising awareness around that shift to recycled plastic you know the campaign works to really educate consumers on the difference between virgin and recycled material and the importance of recycled content in driving a circular economy for plastic packaging and you know that really leverages the expertise and the reach of an organization like Unilever but and but also Unilever's partners you know and it really demonstrates the impact that you can have in this kind of collective approach to communicating and really um, enabling them to really highlight the importance of recycled content and influencing behavior change to really inspire consumers to be part of, you know, the plastic solution. So I think um, they really focused on two key actions as well, which is nice to, you know, kind of have a focus. And that was really around making sustainable decisions at home and really closing the loop on plastics through buying packaging back that's been made with recycled content. And this will become more important as we move forward and um, recycled content becomes more prevalent and more popular in um, packaging formats. Um, we also had, um, from an industry perspective and an industry education perspective, we had a winner um, there as well. And we had some um, great finalists with Coles um, Supermarket in there as well. But, um, you know, Audi was the actual leader and the, the winner this year with their 25 by 25 plastics and packaging commitments and communications campaign. And I suppose we shouldn't be surprised by Audi leading out. I mean, they've got that very cool and very engaging, um, you know, general campaign they have at advertising campaign they have so to see them winning in the sustainability space is um you know fantastic but they really in 2019 I think it was around June they introduced they announced their 25 by 25 um, plastics and packaging commitment an ambitious really ambitious goal to reduce all plastic packaging by 25 percent by 2025 and so what they did with their stores was they developed a campaign to engage educate and inspire employees their suppliers and their business partners and customers on the importance of the plastic reduction. And so the 25 or 25 campaign was really launched with a sustainable packaging event for suppliers. And I was actually at that event and, you know, it was it was inspiring to look across the room and see like three or 400 suppliers. They're listening to Audi saying this is the way things should, we're going to be doing business going forward and this is really great an issue. So it was really engaging to see that and they, they followed that up with on-pack messaging, web and social media, catalogs, in-store marketing, you know, well as and also their company's first ever public plastic and packaging progress report, which um, only came out recently. So they've done some fantastic work and it was great to see both that consumer education and the industry education really coming to the fore in this last year. Well, there's been some fantastic leadership shown all round, and we've really seen, as I bring this to a close now, all the things you've spoken about today speak of empowering not only consumers, but also the industry 
stakeholders, giving everybody uh, transparency, giving them confidence, giving them the ability to buy in, knowing that there will be a real change at the end of it all. Um, so I want to congratulate APCO on the progress that you're making towards getting us towards those targets and um, achieving ultimately the circular economy. Thank you for joining us today, Brooke. Thank you for having me, Lindy, and, and thank you for the congratulations. But I think the most important thing to acknowledge here is that we're here to help. We're here to help make help this work happen. And, you know, um, it's great to see everybody stepping up and being part of that. Well, thank you, Lindy. Thank you, Brooke. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed that uh, episode. Lots of great information in there, and we're looking forward to bringing you more wonderful episodes in the not-too-distant future. Thanks once again for your time. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.